We're here with Bill Valvanus, the one and only, the man behind the U.S. National Show. Bill, what's it been like for you? It's been a crazy, crazy couple years. Welcome to the show. It's been three years since we were able to gather. And I think this is the first large bonsai gathering in three years. I think so. There's trees here from uh, Texas to Maine and Portland to Miami. So people all over have it's, come it's, to... It's a really big span. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, should be national. Yeah. Many, do you know how many trees are here this year? A little over 200. Okay. Wow. And 111, over over 100 shohin bonsai. Wow. wow. 21 displays. We noticed the shohin this year have just it's just exploded. Yeah. It's it looks really great. Well, I usually have a shohin yeah, exhibition. Should be next year, but I'm not going to do it next year. It's too much. Yeah. yeah. Bill, what's, what's different about the show this year, other than Shoheen, like what we just said? Is there any trends or anything that you're seeing in the show that, that excites you? Or that the trees seem to be more refined. In the past five or six years, there's been a big push on old collected trees. They dig up these junipers, fix them for five years, and put them in a pot. And there you go. Uh, there are not that many here this year. Yeah, and the judges really seemed to favor last night. They, they favored the trees that have been a bonsai for a very long time. Yeah, and they favored um, American trees rather than imported trees. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was fun to see. It's obvious, I think, to anyone coming to the show, the level of refinement is increasing really quickly in the yeah. show. Seeing it from year to year to year has been really awesome. Thank you for coming, Jonas. Yeah. Definitely. And Andrew. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're really happy to be here. Good. And we also want to take the opportunity just to thank you for putting on this big party. Yeah, oh, you're this welcome. Is, this is no small party. <laughs> this, is, <laughs> no. this is a really big party, and there's a lot of work that goes into it. Yeah. Um, and you're not sure it's going to happen until Saturday morning. <laughs> yeah, but it, it definitely happened. It happened. It's, and it's, it will it's, happen well. It's, we could have sold another 100 uh, weekend passes. Easy, I bet. Easy. Yeah. Yep. But the venue limited us, and so did COVID. Uh -huh. Yeah. So we had to pare down. But it's okay. What Diane did is she, Sunday afternoon is generally not busy. So for the vendors, she has a Sunday half price, half day pass for 15 ah, bucks. Nice. Did she got about 100 of them. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. great. Yeah. yeah. And Bill, is anything going on in your garden? I was just there yesterday, and besides running this incredible machine that is the U.S. National Bonsai Exhibition, you have a really big garden as well, and it's yeah, it's really impressive. Well, I've got What's this, going on there? I've got this crew of ten people. Okay, they're all old, they're all uh, older, they're all retired. They just come and help. The Monday Senior Crew. Yeah, they come and they weed, water, prune, dig holes, move stuff, weed again, water again, and don't forget, I haven't been in the garden since May. Holy smoke! Wow. I've walked through, but that's it. I haven't touched a pair of scissors. Oh, golly. And that was my shoulder. Who knows what's going to happen? I need my shoulder. But they've been very good. And Diane, too. Yeah. She took care of everything. So they leave, then she go and she rewater. We'll get you that new laser technology. You can just point and zap the branches that need attention. Oh. Yeah. Or, or a drone to just fly over <laughs> and then do it for you. Now, this whole thing was 3D video, uh, videos. Yeah. Oh. What, was, what, was that, what was that about? You, you can see the... There's dots in front of each tree. And if you put your pointer there, you can see, see the whole tree around. Oh, wow. That's one thing. And the other thing, he had a drone. 
You got a lot more drone photographs. Wow. Oh, cool. That's great. And if people want to see photographs of the show, they can buy the book, right? Yes. How do they, where do they buy that? Um, online or else I have forms here. Okay. Same price as last year. Great. Pre-publication price, $55. Limited edition. The first one that we came out with, now $100. Wow. There's only a few left. It's, it's really hard to find. I just recently got finished my collection and got oh. all of them. Yeah, I made sure I did that one, years ago. The first one was really, really hard to come by. So they're... They're, they're something that people are really treasuring. Yeah. So. The first one of every, anything is usually the most uh, successful. Like mm -hmm. the first movie. Yeah. For the repair. And then with exhibits, like Kokofu 10 re reprinted uh, more Kokofu number one. Because the first exhibit, and they want to have enough stuff. Yeah. You can get number one. Number two, three, four is difficult. Ah, uh, interesting. Ooh. Got a whole list I'm looking for. But I can't go look for them. <laughs> they won't let me in a country. Yeah, we're hoping that'll change before too long as well. I hope yeah, so. Yeah. Tycon 10 is up. Oh, it's really? Going. Yeah. Oh, wow. Great. And I'm a permanent judge, but I can't. Hopefully, we can go see Coco for 10. That's what my fingers are crossed for. Yeah. yeah. There'll be a lot of foreigners there. Because oh, you couldn't go last year. That's right. Yeah. You Bill, to go. Bill, any final thoughts about the show? Anything that's exciting you about what you're seeing in the show or with the people or, or anything like that? I'm enjoying seeing the people enjoying bonsai and sharing of their trees that's important yeah and enjoying your trees and, and we're so thankful to you that you give us a space and a venue and an oh. opportunity to do that that's what i do <laughs> well, and you well, have we, been doing it you've 42 been doing years it for a magazine. long time yep 42 years printed magazine now it's a digital magazine it's free and so it's, it's coming along yeah. excellent well, thank you so much, Bill. It's, it's great to see you, and it's, it's, a pl it's an honor to be here. Thank you, Andrew and Jonas. Thank you so much. Okay, Andrew, you sound good? I sound good. Do I sound good? Sutin? Hello. Hey, we're rolling. We have a special guest right here. Tell us, what is your name? Where are you from? Hi, my name is Sutin. Suko Sonvis is, I, I, you know, I live in Boston area. Boston, hell yeah. <laughs> Boston. So, Massachusetts. And today is a, a, a U.S. national show, the seven, right? Yes. So, I'm really happy to come here and see a lot of bonsai tree, beautiful, beautiful exhibition, and see a lot of old good friends, you know? Yeah. The only reason they came, you know, because the pandemic is uh, otherwise... Uh, did any trees uh, strike you as exciting? They all, they all strike me exciting because, you know, every year I see the tree different, different all the time. And the way the, tree, the exhibition too get better, better all the time, especially Shohin, unbelievable. And they're a fantastic show yeah, this year. Yeah, yeah. unbelievable, yeah. the tree, my God. Suthin, did you come to the very first U.S. National? Yes, I come every one of them. Yeah, every one of them, one, two, three, four, five, six. This is seven. Yeah. And tell us about your, your juniper in the show. Um, how long have you had that tree? What's what's the story on that one? So the juniper is, uh, I see that tree original from Japan. You know, uh. I saw that tree is uh, 2015 with me and uh, Doug Paul and then uh, Marco we went to see in Takamasu. You were there? Yeah. And that tree is for sale. Mm. Yeah, and then we bought it and then we got it and you know, when you import the tree, that's all. Yeah. We lost a lot of branches. Uh, yeah, we lost a lot of branches, and uh, now we're creation. 
yeah. five years. Five years. Yeah, five years. Do you know, do, what do you think about Shimpaku? Shimpaku is really fun and easy to work with, right? Yes, really easy. I think my, uh, my experience is uh, Shimpaku really easy to, to work. Uh, it's really strong and, and, and growing really well. Yeah. yeah. And now, the thing I, I loved about your Shimpaku is I didn't see one wire on the tree. Yeah, we call it. Uh, we've been training. And the good thing about Shimpaku, too, especially, you know, Etoikawa or Kisui, when you wire it up and then when you take it off, you might do it again two times and then just stay. Mm. It's not like a pie pie. You have to keep every time you take it out. Two months later, you have to bring it, you know, wire again. So. Yeah. That's a good thing about Juniper, I think. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Have you started your plan for the next national? How far ahead do you plan? Probably a, a year or two. A year or two? A year or two, yep. Yeah. yeah because it's a long process, you know? Yeah. But when you're not lady, I'm not showing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I told Mikey Tick yesterday, you three not lady for sure, don't do it. <laughs> and and you, you have you have trees here for sale. What's what's that been like? Have, have you seen a lot of people buying trees? It, it's amazing me though because uh, I what I thinking because you know with the pandemic for two years nobody traveling anything people I got uh, not really buy anything. That's why we don't bring any a lot of things because I, I, we don't expect people gonna buy it. Yeah. But I see everybody the sale people the vendor uh -huh. people buy just crazy. Mm. Yeah, for some reason, maybe they've been missing for two years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. Have your trees been healthy this year? Have you had any challenges in the garden, or has it been a Yeah, this tree, year? this year top, because it's Boston area, is, uh, it's hot. They heat, I think, all over the country, right? Yeah, even Portland too, right? California. Yeah, yeah, definitely yeah. Portland. We, 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 had crazy. A, we had 116 degrees. Yeah, normally in, in Boston, they live in Boston for almost over 30 years normally we have a 90 for for 15 15 day maybe yeah but this year we have 23 already and wow. and on some days almost 100 wow the tree kind of struggling especially my Jap my maple Japanese maple they're just not happy at all yeah. <laughs> no. yeah. even we have a shade cloth on top of it yeah 50% shade cloth but still not happy Oh, that stinks. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. a high up. Mm. Well, thanks so much for taking some time to talk to us. Oh, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for inviting me. I appreciate that. Thank and, you. And uh, congrats again on your, your, your award. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. Cheers. It's wonderful. You know, the exciting part is watching newbies come in, people who know nothing about trees. Have you seen a lot of uh, new people here? Yeah. Yeah, quite a few. I mean, and, and they're excited about it, and they want to know more. And I think that's, that's great because that can grow the hobby. Um, once people see what it's really all about and you explain to them, you know, how they grow and what you're doing and how long it takes. And, you know, some of them are taken back by that, but others are just as excited because they see what, what happens, how trees can change over time. Is there anything that you're seeing different about this show compared to years past? Any any trends? Any any anything that you're seeing in particular that stands out, or that you're particularly excited about? Or not? Oh, or not? Or not? Or dun, not? Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Um, I'd say I am a little disappointed in the stand selections. Um, I think we can do a lot better. There are a lot of stands that are way undersized. 
not a lot, but enough of them that are way undersized for the trees that are on them, and they don't do any justice to the tree. So I think we've got we've got a long way to pull yet, you know, to really start balancing our act a little better. Uh, the tree, the color of the stand, and the color of the pot, you know, sometimes they just clash. And, and take away, and you're looking at that and you never see the tree. So we need to pay a little more attention to our setups, and, and it's not just how they look in the garden. When they do come to a show, that they should be special, and they should look right, and the stand shouldn't look like something that was just uh, put together yesterday and didn't get the final coat on it or was the wrong color. It's, we've got stands that are way too small for the tree pot that's sitting on it. You know, it almost overlaps the edges and in some cases does. Um, what colors. did people do this year that people got right? <sighs> they brought their trees in. And, and that's a, a blessing. So it, it was nice. It was, it was a trial because some of the people have, um, well, many of us, you know, we're afraid to step out and, and see what's going on because it's, um, it's a scary world out there, you know. If something does happen to us and we're getting older, you're still young, Jonas. You can just... <laughs> oh, I want to be back there. No, I don't either, actually. I like where I'm at. Um, but when, when you start to see what the trees do for you at home and then you bring them in here and you enjoy them at home and you put them up on a stand and when some of the, the people that come in and start to show, even the professionals, you stand back and you look at it and it's like, oh, wow. That was really worth it. That was really worth it. I put all this time into it. Now it looks wonderful, and it's a nice place to look at. And other people can appreciate it. I think what this show also has, a little more so than local clubs and smaller size shows, we have a good group of people around here that can talk about the trees. And you have new newbies come in, and they're asking questions, and they're asking good questions. And even if they're not asking questions, we can give them the answers before they ask. And they, they look at it, and, and some of them, it's, it's just you can see that little thing go off in their brain. And it's like, wow, you know. And then they start, well, what about this tree? And, and our little talks tend to extend out a little longer than what is usually prescribed. <laughs> because you catch somebody, and, and you can see their their interest and their excitement about something and you want to you want to bring it along because we certainly enjoy it I mean this is our lifeblood and thank goodness we got into this because I can't imagine I've been in other hobbies and I won't mention the dogs <laughs> um, showing and all that so so it's the same thing but this is different these are they're not running loose we have to really look at each tree and 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 develop what that tree personality is it's not just the type of tree and you're going to style it because it's a juniper, it goes this way, or because it's a pine, it goes that way. Oh, but that'd be so easy. I know. Nothing is easy. It shouldn't be easy. Let's make it harder. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's just, to me, it's a, um, it's a dance. You know, trying to put the right design to the tree, following what that tree wants to do. It's like trying to write, raise a child. Luckily, I haven't had to do that, but... Um, I've got a lot of pseudo kids around me, but um, they may be 40 or 50 years old, but they're still kids, you know. But, but trying to bring a tree to a point where it, the balance is wonderful and the color is right and the, the texture is there now and, and, and then you get your, your foliage um, 
prepared and looking great and and nothing is awry except the pot so we always have to back up and start looking at things and say well you know if it had a different pot or if it was on a different stand we could show it off in another way so we never you never get to that point where it's perfect there's well, always that's something how we more can to participate do. Huh? When we see something like that, we can say, oh, if I had that tree, I might think of this kind of stand. Or, oh, what yeah. if we had that kind of pot? It kind of makes it interesting for us. Well, it does. That's true. We do have something. Or we have something to complain about. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we should do a better job here. You know better than that. Yeah. No. It's, everyone has their own idea of what beauty is. Thankfully. <laughs> yeah. because I think we all us, benefit from that. We all benefit from that. <laughs> um, so it's the same with the trees. And, and after a while, the trees also become, what, our family. You know, even when they don't belong to us and we're just taking care of them for someone else and working on them, at that time, while they're in our yard, it's our family and we work on them. I just, I don't know. I just think it's a great hobby. It's a great uh, job. Can't even think of it as a job, really. Because it's just too much. It is fun. It's just, just something we do because it's something fun. Something we do because yeah. it's fun and we enjoy yeah. it and we just totally immerse ourselves in it. And I can't think of anything else that I'd rather do. Well, that's well, a, that's a perfect way to, to end it. <laughs> Thank you so much, Kathy. It's, it's great to see you. Okay. So tell us your name. Where are you from? My name's Dave DeGroat and I'm from Puyallup, Washington. Wow, so you're, you're, you're quite a long ways away. This is with the three of us all traveled out here. Yes. All, the, all across the country to come to New York for this amazing show. Yeah, What's the show like for you? Well, it is amazing. This is probably my fourth time out here. And um, every year I'm delighted. I'm delighted by the, by the number of trees. I'm delighted by the quality of the trees. And um, I was saying yesterday when I did my little critique uh, that... One of the things I like about this show is there are always some people who are kind of going out on a limb, as it were, and taking some chances in terms of how they've designed their tree or how they've managed their display and uh, to make it uniquely their own and not necessarily being formulaic about it. Were there any uh, favorite chances that you saw <laughs> that people took? In this year's show, favorite chances, your favorite uh, favorite risks yeah. that people took this yeah, year. Yeah, examples come to mind. Yeah. Well, you know, we're standing kind of next to one, actually. Uh, one is over here, and I, I don't know that I'd call it a risk so much as I think there are a couple. There are some things that I see here that are um, a little bit a little bit remind me of a couple different cultures. So um, we're looking at this. Um, spruce group and the the base of it, it appears to be like what we'd call a clump style because the trunks are emerging from a common base right and so then we have uh, we can identify the primary trunk the secondary trunk tertiary trunk and so on and so forth and then there's a ho long horizontal member which in a in a group with direction we can assume we're going to have something that might be nearly horizontal but then instead of having branches, it turns itself into a sort of a raft style. And we now have additional trunks um, emerging from that trunk. And, and uh, as I said in my critique the other day when I was coming around and I stopped here, 
It reminds me a little bit of when I see in China the Penjing raft mm. style. The trees are not on or in the soil. Uh, they're above the soil with the roots exposed. Mm -hmm. And so this kind of thing where it's almost a sort of a raft extending from the clump um, with the separate trees emerging from it um, kind of give, gives me that impression. So the, this is, to me is sort of a hybrid uh, kind of a composition that I think uh, it just gives me pleasure to see something that's a little different like that. Yeah. So I was curious how we might think about that. There are different ways of looking at these outside of the standard conventions because a lot of really conservative interpretations of what bonsai look like give us these prescribed styles. And so as we veer outside of that, one can either be thinking of us as broadening our definition of what's acceptable or lowering our standards. And so how, how do we think of the kind of <laughs> trade-offs that we're between in terms of doing, why would we or wouldn't we want to stick to something rigid or why do we appreciate it when they do fun things like this? Oh, okay, so my, my oft-repeated, I'm, I'm going to give you my little spiel about aesthetics now, okay? All right. Awesome. And so my little spiel about aesthetics is, in, in my opinion, and it's only my opinion, um, is that there are, there are three elements that I call universal in terms of aesthetics. And uh, they are what I call proportion and balance and harmony. And those things within a composition, I think, can be applied to any kind of art, really from any period, and, and they'll hold. The, and, and you can say this is well-balanced or it's not, or there's a certain relationship in terms of proportion or it's not. And then there are, on top of those three, what I call three universals here, the three biases, what I call three biases. And so the three biases are, number one is cultural. And so that means when we look at traditional differences in, in clothing, uh, in architecture, in music, language, and so on, that these, uh, these kinds of biases about what's good architecture, beautiful architecture, we could take a, a, a Japanese house and put it in the middle of Milan and it would not stop being beautiful but it would look you know out of place perhaps because it, it, it's not in concert with um, its surroundings in that case so there's that that cultural difference that's an easy to see or imagine uh, difference in architecture so then the other the other bias that comes into play is fashion so uh, fashion is a way that we um, explain uh, ourselves as being kind of in group, that, that we, that we are, are kind of on the same page as our peers, our, our colleagues, our fellow citizens, whatever. And whether it's in clothing fashions, you know, that change, or even in bonsai fashions, where at one time uh, formal upright was uh, very popular back in the 50s, and then that dropped out of popularity, and then um, later on, uh, 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 and I use these examples over and over, uh, later, later on, cork bark, for instance, cork bark pines became very popular as looking rugged and old. And then it was decided that, no, that's really artificial because the trunks aren't like that. So they dropped out of popularity. <laughs> now the extended branch is very, very popular. It, it seems that's almost necessary. The so-called feature branch is even though that has nothing to do with nature, um, it, it has to do with that this is what's now popular. This is the fashion at the moment. 
And then the last, the third bias is, is simply personal taste. Mm. So, I mean, you like red, I like green. Um, and that's a product of, of, uh, of I don't know where that comes from. But, I mean, dip, dip, where we see it most often in art, whether people uh, decide whether art is good or not, is their individual tolerance um, for, for tension in the art. So the things that, uh, that are, uh, oh, what's the word I want to use here? Uh, things that, that um, are, are kind of comforting are the things that fall into place, okay? That trunk is the same shape as the trunk that's next to it. To, I see something repeated, and that lets me in my head establish a pattern, and now that feels right. Okay, so something that, that gets kind of predictable, and, and, and I know it's supposed to turn out that way, um, that feels right. Now, when something doesn't turn out that way, when something breaks the pattern, or whatever, that's what I call a tension element. And so, different. this has a lot of tension elements in it. Mm -hmm. It has a lot of crossing trunks, it has a lot of, of, of crossing branches. And so, some people will look at this and they'll say, okay, I don't like that because in, in their mind, um, there are too many tension elements and this not, does not seem fully resolved. And for other people, like for me, I look at it and I see all those tension elements, but I'm comfortable with that level of tension. And I say, well, to me, that looks like something that has not been overworked. Uh, and I know it's in the early stages of development. It's still early. I mean, it's not, it's not fully uh, developed yet, but I'm, I'm looking at it and I'm saying, but there's enough in there that's congruent, that follows a pattern that I find in the end that from the congruence and from, and from the contrast, in the end I, I get a feeling of res resolution, mm -hmm. that somehow these things have been resolved and you know it has a particular flow to it and so on and so forth. So that's a lot of talking about one tree, but I mean <laughs> um, uh, you, you can look at something like this and find all these elements and, um, and speaking of elements, you have a wonderful book that you published in the last <laughs> few years. Uh, tell us a little bit about your book. It's, uh, it's Elements of Design, right? Well, uh, it's uh, Principles of Bonsai Design. It's out of print now. Okay. Um, so it's a rare commodity. we gotta, we got to fight well, each other to a, find it. it's a rare one. commodity. It, it, I, th now, for the last uh, year, uh, I kind of uh, got distracted by the fact that uh, we were in COVID lockdown. Mm -hmm. And so I started spending some time on, on doing uh, like things that could be done via Zoom and so forth. But now I've started turning my attention back to coming out with a, a second edition oh, great. of, of well, the book. So, so hopefully, it's, it's not going to be immediate. It's not going to be in the next two or three months. But hopefully within the next six months, we're going to see oh, wow. uh, yeah. the new edition. So it's going to be not very much changed. Um, I'm going to replace some photos. I'm going to add some photos. I've got a couple things uh, and styles that I want to insert. Um, but essentially, it'll be the same. It'll be the same book. Yeah, yeah. Great. Well, we look forward to seeing that. Well, uh, thank you. Is, is there any other thoughts or any other feelings that you're getting from the show this weekend? Well, okay. So uh, I, I like the fact that uh, we're we're kind of hitting all all aspects of of bonsai in terms of uh he's he's uh, bill has allowed for 
what are in effect almost tokenoma displays, especially where we're in the, the stone section, right? Yeah. And so that there is some allowance. It's hard to do hanging art behind the trees uh, with the fabric backdrops, but it, it can be done and has been done in some places. Um, I think the, the lighted, uh, the shokhin display over here is an example of, um, you know, trying something that's a little different, that's, that's not, you know, we all acknowledge how beautiful it is to um, have a, a, the, the traditional uh, Japanese-type shokhin display stands. Uh, I had an article in BCI magazine a couple issues ago about one I created for our club for the sake of versatility, um, in which the there's a board that sits on the table like a backdrop, um, but it's it's covered. There's a sheet metal covering on it, oh. and in the little shelves are magnets, strong magnets, and so without having holes or grooves or ridges or any kind of anything to interfere with the backdrop, you can have different size shelves that simply. Uh, grab on uh, uh, to the backdrop and you can put them wherever you want. You can change the arrangement, you can change the size of the shelves. The, 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 the fact is you've got a backdrop that's just behind it so it lacks maybe the depth that some traditional displays will offer. But on the hand, other hand there's almost unlimited versatility in terms of how many trees you have um, what, what is their relationship? How are you going to place them? What is their size? And so, um, you know, that's, that's kind of an interesting oddity that... <laughs> uh, just wanted to try something different, you know. But uh, the, I got off track, but I, I'm talking about the fact that there are, there are stones here, there are kusumono here that get their own section. Um, and, and the bonsai with the two different uh, really types of display um, that where we have these that are almost put into uh, where we're standing. Of course, we can't see that. This isn't video. Uh, but we're standing. It's almost trying to create a tokenoma effect. And then um, uh, we've got these that are on the long tables that are uh, giving a more open effect. And so, um, you know, we have different types of display. We have different colors of background. And so that's the display end of it, where mm. I think there's some variety in the display end of it. So we've got good variety in the trees. We've got a nice little stone display. Uh, we've got a kusumono display. And there's something here for everyone, in my, in my view. So I enjoy it, and I've been enjoying it and I hope to keep on enjoying it. That Great. sounds good to us. Yeah, thanks so much, David. It's always you, a pleasure to chat with you. You bet. It's fun for me, too. Thank you. This is Bjorn Bjornholm from Ace and Bonsai Garden in Nashville, Tennessee. Good to see you. You too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. How's the show going for you? It's been really good. I've been really impressed with the quality of the trees in the exhibition and the stuff that people have at their sales booths, too. It seems to go up in quality every single time. A lot more age on the trees in the show this year. Definitely, yeah. I think, you know, a lot of people have put a lot more time and energy into detailing their trees out. So you see that reflected in, in the show and in the quality of the trees as well. What does this get you amped for in subsequent shows? 
Subsequent shows, I mean, we're seeing a lot of, you know, native material in the shows nowadays. And a lot of that stuff, it, it takes a number of years for it to sort of really come into its own. And, you know, now that things are kind of settling into place, people have been working with the material for five, six, seven, eight years. It's starting to look, you know, more settled. It's starting to have that, what they call mochikomi in Japanese, you know, where it feels like it's, it's settled in the pot. It's right. It looks right. You know, it's, it's refined but naturalistic, kind of. You know, there's just something right about the tree. So I'm looking forward to seeing how that develops into the future, particularly with the deciduous material, because, I mean, there's a ton of conifers that are in the show, and, and those are really easy to take from the mountains to an exhibition, you know, have that look to them in five, six, seven years. But the deciduous stuff is like 10, 12, 15, 20, you know, 30 years before it starts looking good. But there's a lot of native deciduous stuff that people are starting to use now, too, and it's looking better and better and better. So I'm curious to see where that goes in the future. What, uh, what native deciduous material do you like? Are you getting some collected stuff at your place? We're getting a few collected pieces of material. So like down where we are in Tennessee, we've got the American hornbeam and the hop hornbeam are two that we're working with. Um, I really like the hop hornbeams. You can go out and collect them you know, as Yamadori, and a lot of them have really gnarly trunks. You know, most of the time when I work with deciduous stuff, if I'm working with like a smooth bark species, like the American hornbeam, for example, I don't like seeing scars and deadwood and that kind of stuff on them, but the hop hornbeams, I would kind of equate them a little bit more to like a flowering apricot where the deadwood's actually, it's hard, it looks good, it's gnarly, and it adds to the character of the trees. And you can get some really cool examples of them. Uh, we were talking about your juniper earlier. It's, it's really, really fun to see it in person. Uh, what's, what's it been like working with that tree? So are you referring to the, the one the, seed the, or the, the rocky. rocky? The Rocky, okay. Yeah, so I've had that tree for I think five years at this point. Um, the guys from Backcountry Bonsai collected it maybe six years ago, and then I picked it up the following year. Um, and it's come a long way. It was The foliage mass was probably three times the size of what it oh, is Oh, there was now. nothing when you started. Yeah, I mean, I developed it basically from nothing. So, um, you know, we put it in that pot a couple years back, and that was one of the first trees that I had at my nursery when we set the nursery up a few years ago. Um, the issue down in our climate is that Rocky Mountain junipers revert really easily to juvenile foliage. Yeah. It's almost impossible to get them to revert back, particularly if you want to keep them in shape. So what's interesting with this guy, though, is that the way I've been pruning it and the way it's been growing, it looks a lot like a percumbens. And not like a percumbens nana, but like the, the sonare in Japan, like yeah. the, the true percumbens that you see collected in the mountains. Um, so it has that sort of vibe to it, which I kind of like. So normally I don't like working with the rocky foliage, but it's, it's kind of looking pretty cool pruning it in certain ways. Yeah, I noticed it was a lot of juvenile on it, but it's a narrower juvenile. It's not like on the shimpaku where it really stands out like a sore thumb. Exactly, and it's actually consistent across the entire yep. tree, so it looks like it's supposed to be that way. Yeah. You know, it's not like you've got some juvenile and some adult foliage mixed in. Do you have cultural challenges with uh, rockies or one seeds where you are? Not really. They, they thrive. We bring them in and oh, throw great. out elongating shoots, you know, six, eight, ten inches long. Awesome. Um, and, and the one seeds in particular, even in the winter, they'll throw out shoots that are, you know, six, eight, ten inches long going through the, the winter dormant season. It's pretty crazy. So, I mean, we get cold in Tennessee. We're down in the oh, teens yeah. in, you know, February. But they still, they're growing all winter long. So I guess the climate that they're collected in, it's a lot harsher than, than what we have in Tennessee. So they just keep growing and growing and growing. It's cold and up higher, I know exactly, where they come yeah. from. Exactly, yeah. They get collected at about 4,500 foot elevation. Yeah. yeah. And your monster is growing so fast. It is, yeah. I haven't styled it since we potted it last year. We've uh -huh. just been letting it grow out. But as soon as it shows over, I'll go back and style it up. Oh, so awesome. I'm excited yeah. about that. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. You excited to get back and work on trees after going to an event like this? Definitely, yeah. I just go back and relax for the next <laughs> week or so. Yeah. Yeah. We don't have any classes for the next two weeks, so just oh, get back into the swing of things and yeah, relax a little bit. So Enjoy it. That sounds yeah. really yeah. Good. good. Well, thanks so much for checking in with us. Yeah, absolutely. It's good yeah. to talk to you guys. See you next time. Absolutely. What's your name and where are you from? 
Um, hi, this is Yang Choi. I am from Washington, D.C. area, Maryland. And, and you have a big Kusumoto display here, don't you? Yes, yes. How, how did that come together? Did, uh, um, what, what so last two, uh, national show, Bill Varvanis asked to me, Young, would you be our next guest speaker? I said, sure, I, uh, I would love to do it. Uh, but I asked him, but I wanted to have Kusamono exhibit section, just the Kusamono. And he didn't say yes right away. But <laughs> next morning, he came to me and he said, yeah, go ahead, do it. So um, since then, I prepared this uh, exhibit. Yeah, it's really, really beautiful and fun to see the different variety of plants and styles. It shows people that there's a lot of different breadth and, and diversity within Kusamona. Yes. Yeah, so uh, it is really hard to make really beautiful Kusamona exhibit in sports field. So <laughs> I try to make something unique and a little different than just to lay out the Kusamono. So um, I wanted to have something big, Kokedama, uh, the moss ball display, tall one. So uh, I wanted to pull out the middle of the table. He gave me five eight-foot-long tables. And uh, in the middle, I pulled that table and put some black backdrop. Uh, and displayed uh, moss balls on yeah, there. You really broke up the space. It's not just a row of tables. There's there's a little tokonoma area. It's it's really, really nice how you were able yes. to, to create some different spaces right. in, in that, that And area. also, I wanted to involve with um, all Kusamono lovers in the nation. So I divided America four. So Northeast, Southeast, Northwest, oh. Southwest. So uh, Northeast Mid-Atlantic region, I took care of it. So I brought all my Kusamono to display. South, uh, reach out my students or other Kusamono lovers. Uh, they did uh, Georgia, Florida, native plants. So this is most all kind of native plants display, each section. And also uh, California area, uh, Cora and Sun Cheng from part of Texas and uh, Lucy, they brought from the California. And another section is the Pacific Rim. I asked Ryan to bring some Kusamono uh, from that area. So he brought Michael Hagedorn's uh, nurse log. Yeah, the nurse beautiful. log's really fun. Isn't it beautiful? Yeah. And uh, Greg Brandon's the 22 years old rose kusamono in the broken shovel. That and, was kind of cool. And that brings up a really good point that I don't think people really understand is that kusamono, like bonsai, have uh -huh. and require age. Yeah. Uh, with a kusamono, you're not just throwing something in a pot uh -huh. and, 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 and using it, right? Yes, yes. So, so talk about how we need age in kusamono. Yeah, so um, that's what I displayed. That's four different reasons to kind of created that way. And in the beginning of the exhibit, I put another little information table uh, about what is Kusamono. And um, also I put, I worked on all the name of the plants we displayed. 
so they can find out what those are and who is the potter. You know, always people asking, what is this beautiful flower and who's, who is this potter? So I put all the information in there too. So before I didn't know all about this, I know mine, I can prepare, but the others, I have to do everything in last minute uh, <laughs> yeah. display. You were working I, very hard. Yeah, I didn't know what to put it in. It depends. So, yeah, it has been crazy busy since I came here. Well, to it, work it's, on it's really this. paid off. It's really beautiful. Uh, Thank you. Thank is, you. Is there anything that you're excited about with Kusamono? What 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 should we be thinking about or doing with our own Kusamono at home? Yeah. Um, well, before that, uh, I can talk about the aging Kusamono that you asked before. So I brought few other stuff like uh, other Kusamono, like Lespadiza, the big tall one on the Suiseki section because we ran out of space. So I, we put it in kind of here and there. Or sumac, those are eight to ten years old moss balls. <clears throat> it's long time, and so those are drought tolerant, and so not many plants can be like that way too. Actually, so some plants very tolerate to live like that way. So uh, just to make sure they are not dry out. That is the very important thing. So usually, just watering doesn't really work. You have to soak it. So put it, just dump it into the bucket or basin uh, to make saturated each moss ball. Uh, so <clears throat> another one I really wanted to bring it here this time was the Nandina I created. That is an old one to more than eight years old. The beautiful Nandina. First time of the year it's bloomed. Like sumac, it's oh, first wow. time, first time uh, in seven, eight years, they didn't bloom at all, and uh, just the leaves. But this year, first time they bloom, so I was so excited. I want to show this to everybody. So um, the three clump of the beautiful fruit, uh, after flower, beautiful fruit sat on the Nandina moss ball. It was only two, less than two feet high, beautiful Nandina. So I want to have them make little bit red tint on the fruit to kind of show the fall. So I brought to the little bit sunny side to make them red. Right next day, bird ate all. Oh, no. Everything. Oh my God, not even single fruit left. Oh God. That is a bummer. <laughs> yeah, so always really hard, you know, insect and animal, bird. <laughs> it's not easy, but I hope next year I can get fruit again to show you all this beautiful one. Yeah, so take really has to good care, especially watering is the very important thing for old kusamono. Yeah. And next question was. Um, yeah, and what are you excited about? What with kusamono? What do you want to go home and do next? Uh, what I want to do in the next. Or maybe, did you see anything in the show that made you want to help with the kusashita and help out with what we've got next to the trees? Oh, yeah, so I can tell every year um, the accent plants for bonsai is improving. Looks better and better. I can see some are really beautiful and just great. So I, I, I'm so sorry this year. I don't know somehow we didn't get uh, Kusamana Award this year. Oh, There's so right. many wonderful, beautiful Kusamanos here this year, but uh, we didn't have that. Um, I didn't know. Uh, anyway, yeah, I think um, they are getting, uh, all the bonsais getting kind of know about Kusamono 
these days better than before. Yeah. And, and a lot of that is thanks to you and a lot of your <laughs> teaching, traveling around to clubs oh, and, and, and working with students. So. Yeah, so my next two, when I back, I'm going back to work tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> back to the daily grind. And water them, and you know, FTX plants always stressed out, yeah. so uh, take care of them. Yeah. Uh, preparing winner. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. The display turned out really, really beautiful. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. And I look forward to seeing more like it in the future. Yes. Yeah. Loved it. Thanks so much for taking the time. You're welcome. Thanks, thank Young. you. Bye-bye. Bye. So when you go on the dark web, yes. What, what, what are the first sites you go to? <laughs> uh, I mean, usually it's like Star Wars or... Pokemon Go or different things like that. Okay. It's like the lighter side. Star I Wars I or usually Star Trek? Star Wars. Star Wars. Okay. It's, it's, I'm not as much into Star Trek as I yeah. am into Star Wars. Yeah. So we're here with Todd Schlaffer. <laughs> good, 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 good guy. One of my you? favorite people <laughs> to see at the it's U.S. Nice National Show. Todd, your, your dog fur is beautiful. Yeah, this thank you. Really, really fun entry. Thanks. What do you think about the show? I think it's great. Um, I don't know. There's... It's fun to see like the different species seeing like one of the things I really liked is when you come up this last row here it's like they just have like kusimonos from but it's from like some of it's like northeast or southwest or southeast um, and so just seeing a lot of the like just the fauna that that grows uh, in those regions um, also the I don't know the vendor area is neat and seeing like some new potters um, because now that like Ron Lang is retiring, there's a there's going to be a void there. So hopefully, you know, it's like we can keep um, like having some better or not better, but just like more potters start to come in because there's going to be there's always a void there, and I always tell them that it's like if you can make really good pots, you could do really well. So yeah, yeah, there are a lot of pots this year. I feel like in the in the. Uh the vendor area. Yeah. You could walk through, you can see an antique Chinese, sure. you can see a European, you can see lots of Western pots. It's, yeah. it's kind of fun. Yeah. So. Yeah, but it's good too, like seeing in the show, like how the native material is starting to develop and mature and seeing more trees that are native that now don't have as much wire on, you know, and so yep. some of it, like looking at shows in the past and then when I went to the trophy the last couple times, you know, seeing how some of those trees there had minimal wire. You know, and it's like, oh, we're a little behind there. But now, like, with the trees that we have here as they're maturing, um, you can start seeing them with less and less wire. So so for the spruce or the Doug firs, how many more years do you think it's going to be before we start seeing the, or before you start seeing the age and character and the, the branch development that you want to see? Sure. Like, Doug firs, I think, because, like, with them being elongating species and in general, like, lower branches like to droop. And they put out like these long shoots, so they like to droop a little more. So it's like, I think Doug firs, you always have a problem, a little bit of a problem near the apex. Like they'll, you know, like most trees, they grow really strong. Yeah. Um, so I think with Doug firs, it's a little challenge, challenging with the spruces though. And how they grow, I think, I think within a few years, like three, maybe four years, you oh. can start seeing them with a minimal amount of wire. I did worked on a tree that's being shown for Lauren Buxton and a lot of the structural wires off of that, you know, but there's still the secondary tertiary wiring on that. Um, but it'll, I don't know, three or four years, I'm going to say. Yeah. The tree looks great. We were wondering yeah, how many more years before it gets really full. Yeah. 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 I don't, yeah. Three, four years. 
have you already started lining up trees for future shows or is it more I mean, of a yeah, last like minute thing? Think, you always think in your head like, well, what else? What could I show at the next one? And well, you're having a show too here yes. next yeah. year. Pacific so, Bonsai Expo. So yeah, wondering. So, I hope to see you at that. That's no, I, I would like to be. <laughs> so it's like getting more information on that. It's like, can I bend too? Um, yes. How do you get shows into, <laughs> or so like trees into California? You know, that could be a little. Get a phytosanitary certificate from your county mm-hmm. and that should be it. Yeah. No, but I, I plan yep. on, I plan on going to that. So it's like, all right, what, awesome. do you, what do you bring to that? So, yeah, yeah. Anything different that you're seeing this year from other national shows? I mean, I think this year, because I know like the truck from Florida didn't come. So I mean, part of it is like there's a there's less trees, uh-huh. you know, too than I've seen in the last year. But I think for you know, Canada's not here because that's closed down. You know, so right. it is, it's, I it's, noticed that it's, a lot. it's less trees, but I don't know. It's it's okay, and so like maybe in the next show we could, you know, they'll be here. We'll have more trees. So I mean, that's the only thing. It's like there's less trees, and I miss some of those people too from yeah from yeah, Canada. There's, there's some great people yeah. that, that weren't able to make it. Well, and too, it's like the national museum they couldn't you know some of it's like political stuff you know chicago couldn't get trees right. here. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, canada they couldn't get trees here and part of it is you know the a lot of those botanic gardens and big collections like that they and government you know kind of run collections they just they weren't able to get trees here so sure. anything uh, interesting in your practice anything that you're excited to try new things or, or yeah, what's, what's going on in your studio yeah, I mean, so like really in Denver, like a st- I'm starting to shut down because my growing season's not as long and anything you work on coming now like September on, it's like you can do spruce then, you can't touch duck firs, ponderosas are a good time, you know, so, but it is a good time to clean stuff up. Um, I don't know, nothing new that I want to like really talk about, but... But you started classes recently, I started right? classes, yeah, and so like I did... I just did 10 this year because I was still traveling, and so next year I'm going to do twice as many. Mm. Um, so that's that's one thing. Just stay home and just focus more and play more on, on my own art form. So Yeah. Well, that's exciting to hear. No, it yeah, is. Ex- yeah. yeah, it's exciting. It is exciting. And I got married, and, and I kind of want to keep her around. So it's All right. Like, well, we'll, <laughs> Congratulations. St- we'll try to stay Congrats. home a little more. So Well, Todd, it's <laughs> always really good to see you. Yeah, it's good to see you guys, too. And thanks so much. Yep, thanks for talking to me. So Andrew and I are now walking through the vendor area at the National Exhibit and we are surrounded by trees, pots, stands, tools, and all the other accoutrement you would expect at a top-tier bonsai exhibit. Now, Jonas, I'm, I'm, see, I'm seeing a lot of things, but what's striking me the most, and this is just my bias, is what I'm not seeing. I know uh, what that is. And there's not a lot of deciduous trees here for sale. Um, I've maybe 10% of what we're seeing um, is, is deciduous, but I think about 90% is conifers. You know, I'd say it might be 12%, but that last 2% is all large. Ah, uh, yeah. Which there is are, still a conifer, but a deciduous conifer. There are still conifer. some large uh, here. We're standing but, uh, behind a stand with almost exclusively large bonsai. Yeah. And so it's true. It is a very green exhibit, but it's a coniferous green and... Well, we see a fair number of uh, some tropicals, a lot of trident maples, and boy, a lot of junipers, a lot of pines. A lot of junipers and pines. There's quite a bit of yamadori, but there's, I think it's pretty well balanced with uh, uh, more cultivated trees. Yeah, I've also never seen so many different potters. There are 
people making their own pots. There are people bringing in pots from around the world. There's a kind of amazing selection of containers at this event. Yeah, and if you reference what we talked with now about in our previous podcast, you'll you'll see you'll you'll hear that we we see a lot of antiques. We see a lot of Western pots. You even see European pots. If you look over at Ryan's booth, he has a good selection of Tom Benda's. Uh, Bjorn has some stone monkey pots. Uh, so there's quite a bit of variety in, in not just um, the conifers that we're seeing, but in the, uh, in the pots as well. Exactly. So tell us your name. Where are you from? I'm Sarah Rayner. I am from Red Wing, Minnesota, which is oh, 60 miles south of Minneapolis, St. Paul, right on a, on a river, a beautiful historic town. And I actually work out just outside the city limits on a um, family farm in an old granary and that's where I've been working for the last four years and then before that I worked in town for 30 some years so that's it when you come to these shows and you're setting up what does it feel like to set up your pots and then have them yeah. disappear as fast as you load yeah, them? Yeah, we're standing in front of a very empty uh, right. vendor table here. Well, that always surprises me. I never ever think that's going to happen because I'm sort of my worst critic and maybe a little bit of a pessimist. I don't know, but I'm nervous every time before I come. You know, People don't probably think I am, but I really am. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so when I set it up, it looks like an awful lot of pots, but the response is wonderful and... You know, it's always pleasing when people come over and they're genuinely um, complimentary, and it, it's overwhelming actually, it's but but be. appreciated. Yeah, yeah. Now, Jonas told me something fascinating yesterday, and I, I think you've told me this before. You you say that sometimes it, it shows like this, the best pot does not sell. Absolutely, at least. But that's my you know I have a weird way of looking at my things that other people don't uh-huh. you know, and so something will hit me as just being what I think is the best pot, and it'll be the only pot I go home with. Mm-hmm. And some of the pots I don't care for as much are the first ones to go. So it, it's just diff- probably different taste, but it's also just the way I look at things when they come out of the kiln and uh, that and that I'm not the only potter if you talk to other potters they'll say exactly the same thing now no, we're standing at your table and there's maybe six pots left out of the hundreds right, that right, you brought is the right. best pot in your opinion still it, here close the one that's up on top the one that has a celadon yeah. crackle it is around which isn't as popular as a shape but um you know and it's a little bit shinier than maybe a lot of people like but there's so much going on in the glaze and I look at that, and it's, it looks really aged already because it's got this crackle going on it. And, and so, if I were to come here and look at that, you know, as as a customer, I would that would be the pot I would pick up. But <laughs> yeah, it's a beautiful right, pot, and it's left. But that, that's <laughs> fine. All right. Yeah. Well, maybe it will sell today. <laughs> Is it bittersweet to bring so many of your creations and watch them all disappear? I can I can't imagine what it'd be like to grow. 200 small trees and just oh bye um it isn't as much um i actually have have sold trees at bonsai shows and that is hard for me because the trees are a hobby and and more of my i guess you know my attachment comes from from that tree i'm not so much attached to the pots except for if i see one i know i can't replace the glazes turned out really really nice or if it's a massive pot that i don't think i can reproduce then I'm like, oh, I, I wish I could go home with it just to have it in my shop. But no, I don't have any emotional attachment to them. Right. I mean, it's a job, right? <laughs> One of the potters in Japan in his retirement has started buying back his favorite containers. 
And it's very hard when you see them on auctions to outbid this guy because he was a successful So he can just potter. buy them, right? Yeah. And he's converted the upstairs loft above his studio to a museum of his pot. That's interesting. And it's fantastic. And he just, he's beaming ear to ear showing right. off. So in retrospect, he would have kept those if he had known he would have well, kept them. makes you them. wonder. Yeah, yeah. well, and I, I've always thought I should keep it at least a sample of year-to-year styles and glazes or from the old kiln and things I know that aren't going to look the same the next time I make the series. I should keep an example of it, but it's sort of an afterthought, I guess, you know, at some point, boy, you know. I don't remember what I did, and, and I think that's, yeah. So one good thing about having the pots out in the world is a friend of mine years ago lost her home in a fire mm. and she said what I learned is the only things I had left are the things I gave away oh that's interesting right they're and out there your yeah. pots will be out there because they right. are usable they are beautiful and they oh, are extremely you. well crafted and that's from you know our perspective that's right. how we see your pots and that's why we see them in exhibits and all over the country oh that's There's, really kind but also it's pottery right you can bury it in the ground to come back and dig it up <laughs> later it's still going to be a pot right there's a certain permanent um aspect to pottery that a lot of art forms don't have so we'll have to bring a shovel when we go to her place and see it's what's exactly. buried around there. <laughs> yeah yeah right how are the bees these are good this year. Oh, yeah. good. I don't know what kind of honey crop I have because I've been too busy getting ready for the show to take a peek under the hive. But um, they've been busy, and they seem like they're relatively healthy, which is always the biggest challenge with bees. That was your big fear, I remember, last week. It's about a them. huge challenge for every beekeeper to yeah. keep those mites in check and uh, you know not have them destroy your colonies. Oh, so. nice. Well, thanks so much for chatting with us. It's, oh, you're it's welcome. great to see you, and it's it's been a been a rough couple of years, so it's good to see. Well, and I hope we have another one again. in two years instead of having to, to yeah wait yeah. too terribly long. So. Cheers, thanks, I Sarah. appreciate it. Thank you. We're here with Brussel Martin, and Brussel is one of my favorite people in bonsai. Brussel, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, uh, it, I've been in Bonesaw a long time, which is, you know... What's a long in time? In years, it's probably... I started my parents' backyard in the early 70s, 1972. And uh, so, you, you know, I did it as a hobby for about 10 or 20 years and then got into business probably in the late 70s. And started going to Japan probably in the early 80s with Frank Mihalik. And uh, we had a good time and, you know, <laughs> bought a bunch of good trees and shipped a few back. <laughs> and uh, But, yeah, I, I, I love bonsai and, you, you know, I have a big commercial nursery now. And, not, and not just big, it's the biggest bonsai nursery in the United States. How many trees yeah. do you have on the property? Oh, probably 100,000, 120,000 <laughs> at a time. That's a lot of trees. That's, That's quite a, lot a of bit trees. more than me. Yeah. He says oh. it with a smile. We'd be crying if we had that many trees. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, hopefully they come in the front door and go out the back door. So yeah, it's, yeah. it's a, you know, it, it's, it's a, it's become popular and we, you know, we're riding the wave, as you say, and as we say, and then, you know, since COVID, our business has almost doubled. Wow. So it's really, uh, you know, it's a blessing and plus we, the little trees help fund our, our hobby uh-huh. so uh you know it's the best of both worlds really How, what do you think of the show this year you have you come to every single national show pretty much okay. yeah i think i missed one okay but uh yeah i think he did a great job i mean considering the conditions and you know yeah. uh it's it's a super show i'm i'm proud to be in it and you know uh, i think he there's no doubt bill 
draws the best trees in the country. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, there's no doubt. For sure. I agree. Well, thanks so much for checking in with us. Hey, my pleasure, guys. Good to chat with you, Thank Russell. Thank you. Okay. Matt's Matt's real, real bonsai. Tyler Shear, Dogwood Studios. Where are you guys based? I'm in North Carolina. Portland, Oregon. And how do you two know each other? How do we know each other? I forget and I don't want to remember. Met him a couple years ago in (laughs) Japan (laughs) at this nursery, Shinji Suzuki. He's this little blonde-haired, young 20-year-old kid was working on trees and (laughs) got to hang out with him for a few years doing bonsai. The gist of it, and then 2011, the tsunami earthquake thing happened in Japan and that delayed Tyler coming to Japan to become an apprentice and uh, by the time he did make it though I was really happy that I had another uh, foreigner and especially an American alongside me to kind of you know I was pretty uptight in my first few years as an apprentice as you kind of are expected to, to just be on edge all the time so I got Tyler kind of helped me to just like enjoy whenever we could while being there plus working really hard most of the time. So. And you two have a connection to Andrew. Yes. Yep. Andrew. Oh, yeah, I know you same, same bonsai <laughs> family. Uh, right. I study with Mike Hegedorn, who, who apprenticed before these two guys at, at Shinji. So right. we're, we're all part of this fun bonsai family. And I actually, from um, having taken over, I guess it was Michael, um, study group in St. Louis, working with Andrew's dad. Yeah. And uh, the group of people that you've been working with for quite a while yeah kind of yeah. grew up working with in the beginning yeah. of your bonsai so we're all very familiar and yeah. it's it's a fun time to get to see everybody good to have a sense of community and it's good having you know i'll always enjoy the aspect of having a bunch of professionals in one area like i know michael does and that's yeah. still still something that is a good thing i'm sure and uh, yeah and both like of to be more of a part of it yeah yeah and both of you studied with boone before you went to shinji that's right which, which i know you guys i wouldn't from. say i studied with boone, <laughs> yeah. boone i would say boone tested me to make sure like he, he could uh, sleep at night after uh, recommending me to someone in Japan. So. <laughs> exactly, and that's how I, I was. I was Michael. kind of a question mark as a you know 17-year-old or whatever to prove that I could at least like pull weeds out of cracks in the driveway at his place. So. so did you buy him off? How did you get that approved? I don't know. More, hard, <laughs> hard, Morton, hard work. Morton probably put in a good word for me or something. You know, that could yeah. Hard work. Morton. All Morton. <laughs> what are you guys excited to see about in bonsai lately? Like, are there any trends or things that you're seeing that are good? Any positive signs? Or things I would say it's just really good to see over the years since I've been back in the States uh, from finishing my apprenticeship, seeing the um, clients I've worked with and just bonsai in general, I can see the level getting better and better and better. Seeing a lot of these collected trees that are now, have been bonsai for a number of years, start to develop and that's kind of exciting to, to, mm-hmm. to see that growth in the United States. I typically, or a lot of times I'll say that, you know, if I had my druthers, I would rather be a bonsai professional like 100 years down the road to see all these trees have that time to develop. But, you know, that's not going to happen. So I'm it's kind right. of exciting to see that in the beginning stages right now. And, oh, yeah. You know, I think it's really, you know, um, it's really picked up in the last, you know, 10 15 years or so in the States here. So that's really cool to see. Hearing you say that reminds me of when I used to look at the old Kokofu books from 30, 40 years ago, <laughs> or maybe 50 years ago. And then you see how little time it took for the trees to go from where they are to where they are now. And it makes you feel like we might be on a similar track. Yeah. We're just not there yet. And Kind of like that early 80s time it's almost. Really exciting. In the in the in Japan and seeing yep. that change. Yeah, absolutely. Really yeah, I think a lot of trees have a long way to go uh, structurally, but we're getting there. And it's, yeah, it's an exciting part of the journey. Like I like enjoying the process, seeing how the trees change. As I know, 
all you guys do and a lot of people we work with too and that's what's awesome about being here as a bonsai professional and working with people that you don't do all that much in Japan or we didn't uh, get to as apprentices and didn't have that type of experience so that's been part of the learning curve coming back as well but and mutually beneficial and I would say it's really cool to see in the last what 10 15 years all the professionals or you know some of the younger guys who have some of them gone to Japan uh, some people just starting out and getting going you know to now see this whole new generation of younger professionals and guys really doing this hardcore you know now they're picking up and kind of you know starting to take over in a way not in a bad way but you know just kind of you know put their fingerprints on things that's really cool for the for the stage right now pass on the next generation right? yep. yeah, always need the younger people taking the reins so Guess so, yeah. So thanks that's so us. much. That's us, I think. Still, we're still young, right? We're, we're still young. We're, the, <laughs> is that, is that we're, we're, were you referring to us as part of that? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, we, we still got a lot of work to do. But uh, yeah, well, thanks so much for chatting with us, and it's great to see you guys at the show. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you, Jonas, and thank you, Andrew. music on today's podcast is brought to you by the fine folks at blue dot sessions check them out at www.sessions.blue there's this is funny scene where she's putting on a, a nightgown in their wedding night and and she's got her head through the armhole and, she, and there's an extended scene in which he, he's trying to to get her thing on right it was just like untangling these cords and it's like no you have your head through the armhole no this goes this way anyway okay i'll That'd stop talking <laughs>